Welcome to Ken Monroe's Word Warehouse, episode number 13. Today's special guest is Dad, also known as John Monroe. And the other corner is Mike, drinking a, a Heineken beer. And he may interject rude comments or something. <laughs> or not. I don't know what he's going to do. He's got a, a smirk on his face. So anything could happen from the Mike corner. The futon kit sofa. So dad's name is John Monroe. And he's my father, as you might have guessed. Dad's a poet and a musician as well. Plays guitar and you play Phil? No. no mandolin. Oh, mandolin, yeah, but yes, I do. I, a little bit. Well, maybe we can get you to play the mandolin a bit later on. <laughs> maybe next time. Next podcast. Okay, next podcast. <laughs> I haven't played it for a while. Any future podcast, Dad will play do the mandolin. We'll right? do the mandolin, yeah. I'll try and accompany Mike on a song with the mandolin. We'll have to yeah. practice all. Okay. And um, you're going to play a couple of songs. Can you tell us those, what those songs are? Oh, the first or? song was uh, one I did for my wife Lorraine uh, for our 40th wedding anniversary called If We Met Again. And it goes, If We Met Again as Strangers, da 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 da. And uh, what was the second one? I did? <laughs> if I Give My Heart to You, I guess it yeah. was. It's a song I wrote for my uh, wife Lorraine on our 40th wedding anniversary. And it's called If We Met Again. If we met again as strangers at a high school dance. If I looked in your direction, would you give me back a glance? If I share a few poems with us here today. Do yeah. you wanna, the first one is called The Boot. Do you want to give us a little background about The Boot? Is there anything you need to explain? Sure, yeah. It's a recent poem, but I, I was just going back where we lived in Grand Falls when I was um, going to, I was probably in grade seven or eight, and my sister Jillian was, uh, she's about three years younger than I am, uh, so I would have been about, I don't know, 14 I suppose. 
and Jill would have been about uh, 10 or 11. We were living in Grand Falls at the time and my father was away at the sanatorium. Uh, I was the oldest boy in the family and my father What's was What's the away. sanatorium, Dad? He, was, uh, he had tuberculosis and he had to go into the uh, sanatorium in Corner Brook, which was quite a distance away from Grand Falls, and for about, he was there for about eight or nine months. And while he was away, of course, I figured I was the uh, dominant male in the family and I was going <laughs> to be the, the one who uh, was supposed to be in charge of the male end of things. Uh, so uh, I went, probably went to my head a little bit and I started to boss Julian around a little bit and she didn't take too kindly to that. So this recalls an incident of uh, when Jill sort of rebelled at my instructions. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> and this is a letter uh, I wrote to Julian. Um, I guess it was on her birthday earlier this year. And it's called The Boot. Dear Julian. I don't suppose I will ever forget the time you hit me over the head with your snow boot in the back porch of our house on Beaumont Avenue. As I remember it, you were about nine. Dad was away in the sanatorium, and at 13 I naturally was assuming the role of dominant male in the household. I had intercepted you against my regulations coming into the house with your snow boots on. So naturally, I ordered you back into the sun porch to take them off. For some reason, you didn't accept this with your usual good nature. And when I opened the door to let you in again, a snow, snow boot came thumping down on my head with considerable force. I can still remember my amazement at this brazen challenge to my authority. As father would have said, Whoa! I would like to be able to say that this incident taught me a lesson I never forgot. But alas, looking back over the years since, I can still recall a few times when I could have remembered it better. But then, perhaps it wasn't all in vain, since I can also recall times when I did take a more diplomatic approach and spared myself and others hurt egos and perhaps heads and other body parts. So thanks for that lesson, sis. You did your best. And I think you enjoyed it, too. And who knows what traumas were avoided. Oh, and by the way, from a safe distance, happy birthday. Love, John. One of my favorites, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you have Burton's pot? Yeah. Uh, okay. And this was uh, for, I wrote this last uh, Valentine's Day for Lorraine, my wife Lorraine. And that recalls a time when we were just started going out. It's called Burton's Pond. This uh, took place in St. John's. Burton's Pond was a, a little sort of uh, pond that not too far from where we lived. So it's, uh, it was a memorial in St. John's. It was, uh, well, we were in high school at this time, but yeah, it was um, a time we lived on Bonaventure this Avenue. Before the university? Yeah, this was when we were in oh, high school. Oh, okay. Was yeah. the university built at that point, though? No, the uh, university well, hadn't been built oh, that time. Okay, so I just I remember Burton's Pond just as this this pond in the yeah. middle of, of the residences. Before that, it was like a it was all it was sort of marshy up there, and in the winter, some people who lived around there on the Allendale Road uh, used to um, when it would freeze over. They had a little cabin there, and you could uh, and they used to play music, and people would go up there skating at night. Uh, yeah, so it was a sort of a outdoor skating rink. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'd have music going and there'd be, you know, quite a few people up there skating yeah. around in the, in the evening. There was no, there weren't that many rinks in St. John's in those days, so okay. a lot of people went outdoor skating. And it was quite close to where we lived, so we went up there skating one night. Which was, okay. You know. uh, Burton's Pond. We stayed behind that night after the other skaters had left and wrote some lines and circles in the snow. Then we rubbed noses and you kissed me with snowdrops on your face. Now when I pass a winter pond, I smile, remembering that early Burton's kiss. That's lovely. I love that line, with snowdrops on your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with snow. <laughs> you don't, yeah, people don't normally say snowdrops, though. So no. Well, raindrops. But they are snow, snowdrops. Yeah. Snow, yeah. 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 That's a great phrase, snowdrops. snowdrops. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's really original. And uh, your next one is vu. Is that the French word vu? Or? No. <laughs> Actually, it's, it really means V O U S, which was the. American uh, radio station at Fort Pepperell at that time in the 40s and early 50s, I think up to the 60s. During World War II, the Americans, when they joined the war with Britain against Germany, they set up a big base in St. John's. St. John's was a naval uh, base at the time. And the Americans also used uh, Torbay Airport and they used uh, St. John's Harbor. So where in St. John's is Fort Pepperell? I, I it's down uh, Kitty Vitty Lake. It's uh, right down. Oh, it's yeah. it's the base at Kitty Vitty. It's what? Yeah, yeah. that was called oh, Fort okay. Pepper. At so that all time. those buildings around Kitty Vitty yeah. Lake were yeah. military base. Yeah. During World War One, it was a uh, a training ground for uh, the Newfoundland Regiment before they went overseas. They did they did their training there or oh, their okay. preliminary training. And so this was did. even before. It was joined Canada, but there, it wasn't built up then. They were in the World War One times. It was just a, sort of a tent camp. Oh, and trailer and soldiers trained, sort of. You know, they had camps up there, and they trained and did preliminary training before they went. Then they used to go over to Scotland and and train more, get more advanced training over there before they went over to Europe into the war. And that's where our uh, cousin, or my cousin, he would have been your. No, he was my uncle. He would have been your granduncle, I guess. Macintosh Frew, he he trained over there before he went over in World War One. And oh, okay, so that was the base was, going he was way back. in 1917. Yeah, yeah, this was yeah. back in. The you wrote a poem about that guy. Yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. that poem there too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so this is entitled VOUS, and at, this is at the time when I was in uh, probably 1956-57. 58, when I was going to Memorial, just started going to Memorial University and the, taking the pre-forestry course there. And this just goes back to that time. St. John's in the 1950s. I walk home from the old Mun campus after the lectures, labs, hockey practice, and evening study with Sam and Bob in the old Parade Street building, or the Annex, wherever we could find an empty room perhaps drop in to see Lorraine on the way back. About 11 o'clock, I arrive at the silent house at 123 Bonaventure Avenue. Tune the Fulco to V-O-U-S and Music in the Night from Fort Pepperell. Ella, Sarah, Brubeck, Julie London, Groovy. So 
So it was a lot of jazz music that they played. Yeah. They they had a they had a really uh, they introduced a lot of jazz to Newfoundland. They had and they had a really good program in late at night from eleven to about one o'clock every evening. You could go listen to all this great music. It's interesting because you wrote that poem around the same time. I wrote, I wrote a poem about um, Nan Parsons. Yeah. About yeah that one's. That one's here. I, I have think. that here. Yeah. Why don't you do that one? Sure. Yeah. Let's hear that, Mike. I think I have it here. Maybe you can sit where I am, Mike, so that. There you go. It records well. Yeah, around the same time that Dad wrote that, I hadn't heard it, but I wrote this poem, and I was kind of surprised when I read Dad's because it was sort of interesting coincidence. This comes from a memory of being in Camelton, Newfoundland when I was a child. Or uh, my grandmother telling me about um, the fact that she used to find me behind the chair at the radio. Anyways, I'll just read the poem. Square one. It's the memory of Hannah Parsons, the grandmother, of this child hiding behind a chair, playing with the radio, tapping my foot to the music before I could even remember it, way back at square one. And that was how he described it, like coming back to square one. That is what he said about the birthday gift. It took a while to unwrap it. So I look into it now, and there we all are, as we always were, tapping our feet to the music, back at square one. So who is he in that? Yeah. Uh, he and that is uh, my teacher. He gave me a, a poem for my birthday that described that sort of experience. And um, so he is uh, Dzogchen Palma Purpose, my Buddhist teacher. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. That was great reading. Well, where was the radio, Michael? Was it in uh, Nan's house or was it well, I don't at our place? Or I don't actually remember. Somewhere. <laughs> So this was the same old radio that you listened to, that you're remembering. We'd have to ask. We'd have to ask Nan because I remember her telling me this later, like when I when I was grown up in my teens. I remember her saying, you know, I was playing music at the time. Yeah, oh yeah. I was on the guitar, and she said, "Yes, Michael, you know, I remember you as a child. I would find you behind the chair, tapping your feet to the music, listening to the radio."
Is that a podcast? I think that was Is that a wrap? I think that's a wrap. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, what's the date, Dad? Uh, January the 14th, Sunday. Thanks for listening. See you in cyberspace.